You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to find out more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com where you'll find all of our past podcasts and other blog posts that we have up, along with some other items that you can purchase to help support the Beardcast. So we hope you enjoy listening to this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And uh, today we have a very, very special guest uh, with us. We have the Reverend Mike Slaughter on. Thanks, Mike, for being on with us. Oh, man, I love it. I'm, I'm honored you guys would have me. Yeah. Thanks. We're honored for you to be here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing? And, and we'll just kind of start there. Well, I uh, was, well, first of all, as, as a teen, I had kind of rough teenage years. Um, I was um, busted twice before I was 18. Once we ran this, this was like in the hippie years, you know, we ran this teen club called Lost Dimension. And I, it had, to me, that had no theological meaning for me at the time, but it was really a state of where I was. Um, I even uh, posted on Facebook uh, the other day, like grades for my un- junior year. I finished with like four Fs and a D minus. <laughs> oh, man. And, and um, I, I had a real encounter with Jesus you know, the real Jesus, kind of a calling in, in, in my life. Um, I began, you know, uh, at the University of Cincinnati, man, the Jesus movement was going on. We got, got involved in the first Earth Day um, and so forth, working for civil rights. I mean, we, we really, the Jesus movement, which kind of got hijacked by the institutional church, but we really understood that to be heavenly minded mean, mean, meant to uh, be earthly good. Um, and, uh, so I wanted, I saw the best place to do that, uh, was the local church to kind of be a force of renewing the local church. I spent 45 years, uh, working in the local church, three churches, but the last, uh, one for, uh, 38 years at Gingensburg church and some amazing things happened out of this little rural church where we now have, uh, uh, low-income housing in the Dayton, Ohio area. We have six men's resident recovery homes. We have jobs for life programs. We have a medical warehouse for the uninsured and underinsured. I still, uh, Pastor Emeritus there, uh, speak eight to 10 times a year. But I started, uh, Lau Schaller mentored me when I was in my 30s, and he was the age I am now. I'm 67 now. And he said, Mike, God's using you when you get into your uh, middle 60s, spend the next 10 to 15 years just investing in the next generation. So uh, I've started this ministry, Passionate Churches LLC, um, and I'm working. We've, we've started some base camps where we do an intense um, five-day program teaching how to develop 501c3s and so forth, the next generations, uh, writing, speaking at conferences. Um, I'm going to be in Kansas City weekend after this coming weekend, um, working with a, a smaller church on Friday and Saturday, then I'm uh, preaching at uh, Church of the Resurrection on uh, Saturday and Sunday. And then I'm a delegate to our, you know, special general conference coming up in St. Louis here in less than, than three weeks. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I was working with three, three churches in low-income, high-risk areas uh, up in Michigan uh, this this past weekend. So that's kind of where God's called me. Yeah. I love that. I, I, that, that, that invitation or advice to, Hey, when you get to this point, invest in the next, right? That's yeah. huge. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of that. And so for, for us being our age coming up and doing, doing what we're doing, uh, that's huge. 
uh, to have people that we can look toward to and those mentors that care about the future of the church and people. And you know, I love my age uh, because man, age brings wisdom, a knowledge of God, an experience of God's love that mm -hmm. I didn't, I, you know, I had God's love here when I was your age, but not the experience, you know, it's still that uh, performance thing that God's got to be disappointed, you know, cause God knows my thoughts, lust and all that kind of stuff. And, and the acceptance and love of God at my age. And I, I really understand why the Bible so values age that um, Abraham was 75 before God said, you got to go to someplace new. Right. You know, and it wasn't till, till Moses was, was 80 that, that he changed his focus and, and heard God in a different way out of the burning bush. So, you know, I want to say to you two brothers who are in your, thirties and, and anyone else is that age is a beautiful thing. You know, you just, you have to just stay healthy, body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And that has everything to do how we eat, exercise, um, re our relationships, you know, God is love. And I think that's, that's the, the, the most important thing. And how do we, we demonstrate that is, is we demonstrate God's love to all people. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's nice to see that, you mean, you know, you see so many pastors who retire and just go, you know, and be done yeah. and, and not, not invest back, not, you know, and, and for a number of reasons, right? We get burned out and, and spend them 30, 35, 40, 50 years doing this thing. It, it, it'll wear on you. Uh, so I'm told, right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it's what a model and what, what great advice you got, you know, back when you were our age and, uh, that's that's definitely something I will take into heart moving moving forward. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and that will definitely be something. Um, in my current appointment, I have um, five or six retirees that are connected to our congregation, um, and um, we've been some of them know what they want to do, and they've invested either in the church or in the community in some other way. Um, but a couple of them have are I think searching for something uh, for their next thing. And so that this might be something I might point them in this direction just to say, Hey, listen to, to what Mike Slaughter has to say about this. And you might, you might find some life in that. Um, oh, well we have um, lay folk in our church, uh, seniors, uh, you know, what I encourage people to do, I don't do the traditional Methodist thing of, you know, nomination form. We need you on this committee or that committee. We, we have no committees, but it's, it's like, what is your burning bush? Mm -hmm. And uh, we have one, uh, Evelyn Alder, she's uh, 81 or two. She created a community of women around her to do this. It's called The Gleaning Place. It's a store in a little town called uh, West Milton. And they have nice used kind of things. Like uh, when my wife and I moved and we downsized, um, you know, we, we just, we had nice things. And so we give it there. She has this community of 25 people, all volunteers that, that she works with. And uh, their whole purpose is to sell stuff that no one's paid to raise money to throw into our 501c3s. They've raised about 600,000 through that, that store in that community. You know, and she's 81, 82 and works 50 to 60 hours a week, no pay. Ron Will, he's 73. He's the one that had this vision for it's 62 Joshua recovery ministries they have they're the ones that now have six houses men's resident houses he's not paid a dime he works again 50 60 hours a week all this was birth 
um, out of, of his vision. They have a counseling center now. And this year opening two women's homes for um, pregnant women that are addicted because you can't take them off of opioids and everything or kill the baby. So all of this, these miracles, um, the um, medical warehouse facility we have for the un underinsured and underinsured was started by a group of people that had that vision. They would then create a team. They'd go out to hospitals, nursing homes that get rid of medical wheelchairs, um, walkers and so forth. They, they uh, rehab all this stuff, clean it up, rehab it and uh, make it available. And that goes out to several states. Um, all of these visions were born out of lay folks who identify uh, their, their vision and call. And many, um, I can't think of anyone that gets paid, even though sometimes people on their teams get paid, obviously the household managers of these houses, but, but again, they were all born. And it's, it's the reason um, I wrote two books. One was Dare to Dream and the other was Made for a, a, a Miracle is for lay folk uh, who are my sheroes and heroes, uh, you know, to really identify that burning bush. You know, what is that? that burning bush. And, and the church, we have this professional model of ministry that you go off to seminary and do that kind of stuff. And I, I always say, no, it's about anointing, uh, uh, the anointing, not the appointing, mm -hmm. you know, and we're not there, right. you know, to do the work of ministry. We're there to equip the saints, you know, for work of ministry and not box ministry. Some mm -hmm. people have that calling, you know, to teach kids or, um, lead small groups or teach Bible studies uh, to hospitality, ministries of hospitality. But most people uh, will have a burning bush to go out into the community uh, in some way to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. Right. But back when I was in campus ministry uh, at a Wesley Foundation in New Mexico, when, when I applied and, and took that job, the expectation was, hey, you're going to have all these college students. You're going to send them to seminary. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it yeah. was, we're going to, when they go into nursing school and to engineering and to be teachers and to do all of the things that they feel called to do, we want to find ways to, to send them out to do that and to share Jesus in those moments, in those spaces. Uh, not everyone's called to go to seminary. God, we'd be so boring. <laughs> That's, we're all called to do that. The cost of seminary education that, uh, you know, we come out maybe make $36,000 a year and have 90,000 a debt is, is ridiculous. It, it uh, creates such uh, stress on, on families. Um, there's, there's gotta be a new model. Uh, right. I did a video series with uh, Phyllis Tickle uh, about four years ago out in, in Minneapolis. And I, I loved her stuff. It was so uh, great. You know, uh, I was honored, one of my sheroes that, because um, then she passed a, a couple years ago, but, uh, you know, her whole thing is every 500 years, there's a, a seismic shift that happens in the church. The 500 was the monastic movement that kind of saved the church from uh, Constantinian, you know, kind of institutional. Um, uh, 1054, there was the East-West split. Then 500, uh, I mean, uh, 1500, the Reformation. And she believes right now we're in that same kind of seismic shift. Uh, and I believe the same thing. I, uh, you know, the mega model is, is not the model of the church. You know, I, I'm thinking of 
uh, a next book right now was, you know, what's next after the church growth movement, because that was kind of one, you know, break these barriers, 200, 400. Uh, I was up at Temple United Methodist Church in Muskegon uh, this past weekend, under 100 uh, attendees, very inclusive, very diverse. Uh, but the social ministries they have in this community, being the hands and feet of Jesus, I, I told my wife last night, I said, that is authentic. Even though we live right here in Cincinnati in the midst of this crossroads, the fastest growing church uh, in America, and my daughter and her family uh, are there, but crossroads would not be able to do that ministry in that neighborhood that church you know, is in. So I think there's, there's various models of ministry and, and the United Methodists have this numbers neurosis or this fear of what we're going to go through uh, or whatever. Um, We need to look at new models. One of the best stories at at Ginghamsburg, we we have multiple campuses. Um, Two of our campuses are 80% non-white that were, um, they're in the inner city with various ministries, GED programs and so forth. uh, That were the 40 old, before we took them over, were the 40 old white people all over 60 when the neighborhood transitioned. And they moved out, but came back to their uh, home church. But one of the, a great story, and, and this church would be more uh, blue collar, motorcycle, hard, hard living. Uh, Mike Berry came to Ginghamsburg as a drug addict, alcoholic, disciple for six years. Um, we took over this kind of very blue collar, white, you know, kind of uh, church outside the Dayton area. Um, he went in. Uh, to that church as pastor. Now he, he, he was a lay person, six years disciple. Uh, so I had to put my name on it cause he wasn't even licensed local. Right. You know, I've never preached in that church. You know, that church now is the seventh largest attendance in our West Ohio conference. And he's just hitting that 1300 attendance a week. Uh, and he's got 12th grade education. Right. We've got, see there, there's, there's what you're saying about lay people. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son, um, he's an orthopedic surgeon, and he's in Cincinnati now, uh, Jesus follower. But when he was doing his residency at Penn, an Ivy League school, and he's a double Penn graduate, Ivy League graduate, he went to Epic Church in Philadelphia. And this is an independent church. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, pastor is Cherokee. He's 37. He's my son's, he's my son's age. Uh, in 10 years, they're on four campuses, very diverse. You know, when I spoke there, I was the oldest. Um, there might've been a few others, but yeah. And my son would call me now double Ivy league graduate. Um, he's in a church. He was, he was raised in Ginsburg church. So he has this diversity, all that, you know, thinking he's upset about how we sometimes treat LBT, LGBTQ, uh, folks. And he would call me Sunday nights and said, you ought to heard uh, Kent's sermon, dad, today. It's one of the best I ever heard. So my double Ivy League smart surgeon son mm-hmm. shows a church with a pastor with a 12th grade education. Mm-hmm. You see, this is what uh, we, we, we've got to see because our system, current system, is not set up to uh, multiply in diverse ways. Um, we can't move. We're not lean and mean enough with the bureaucracy, you know, we have our appointment system. Right. And we need something leaner that is 
more networked versus connectional. Right. You know, and, and I've been studying some movements and, and one of the latest that really you have to point to a beginning 1982 is the vineyard movement. And, and they're more, um, they, 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 they have common DNA, but not tight control, you know, of how, but how, how they're networked. Right. Um, and I, another was the Salvation Army mm-hmm. when, when they broke. Now that's older and stiff. They, they still have an incredible social ministry. Right, right. You know, so uh, what is the next? Go back to the Phyllis Tickle. You know, what is the next that we see? And I just think there's many, many uh, models. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, um, you know, Mike, uh, you kind of shared with us in the uh, beginning about some of the things you're doing in regards to mentoring and stuff. Um, if you had to go back and talk to yourself at our age, you know, we're in our mid thirties. Um, what would be some advice you would share, uh, to people like us? Well, are you guys, are you married? Yes. yes. Okay. Well, what I did was so pour myself into, uh, the church and what was happening. Cause man, it took off. And that's, that's kind of where, um, I was getting my esteem. Cause you know, we had these two young kids when I was your age and I would come home and Carolyn would be going, uh, hey, you know, you're not doing what you need to do and everything else. And yet when I would travel and speak at conferences, because by the time I was your age, uh, when Gingensburg hit 400 in this little rural company, that became a big, big deal. And conferences asked me to come start speaking. And we had more people. At one time, we had like 127 attendants, but we had 200 and some in small group communities. So these kind of, so uh, all of that, it was like, uh, I wasn't working on my relationship with my wife. So we were like on a, a very comrades on a common path of what Jesus followers, but it's like, we got to like year 20, like when I was 40 and it's like, we looked at each other, who the hell are you? Mm. Are you allowed to say hell on this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can oh, say yeah. whatever you want. <laughs> So, so um, uh, we almost, uh, June 1st, 1992, we came a, a day away from getting divorced. And then we just, uh, hey, if Jesus is Lord of your life and he's Lord of my life, we don't, God hates divorce. So we're going to lose the D word, mm-hmm. you know, the divorce, never use it again. And we're going to make each other a priority over ministry. Yeah. Now, that's what. Why Paul said it's better to be single, but if you get into the covenant relationship, then that has to be a priority. Right. The two shall be one. And and I truly believe that um, we learn to love uh, a monotheistic God who I don't always want to be faithful to, who we can't see, through a monogamous lifelong relationship with a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can't say, marriage is hard. Have you, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. you understand that, you know, and uh, we, we're in our 47th year of marriage and, and, and God does resurrections and believe me, uh, guys in the hard times hang in there because it's a beautiful thing right now. Now it's still a lot of work. Like, cause I've got this going on. Um, my wife's getting her uh, car, oil change, all that kind of stuff, you know, antifreeze, you know, chain. So she's sitting at the car dealer right now for a couple hours. Right. 
because I got this stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I know she doesn't like sitting there in the car. You know, yeah, right, yeah. So I think just making that kind of a priority. And what we did, you know, here's another thing. I remember when my daughter was 13, we went to Cancun, Mexico for like a whole week. And we had never been away from the kids for more than maybe two nights. And so it's kind of like you, you come back to why we hooked up. Yeah. And what we respect, you, you know, about each other. So, you know, that would be my biggest, uh, you know, what I would say um, to that at your age. Because yeah. yeah. by 40, it almost imploded. Yeah. 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 Well, I love that because you'll find a lot of people that, you know, they'll look back and, and maybe they'll touch on that. But yeah. I wish I would have done this in my job. I wish I would have done this as a pastor. I wish I would have done that in that church. And, and it's just another one of those stark reminders of, hey, pay attention to what you got, you know? Well, yeah, and I, I think the other thing that I've learned now is with, with people who um, disagreed with me and uh, we were growing rapidly. And pe people say my gift is the gift of spiritual irritation. Like I don't have strong <laughs> pastoral, you, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it was like just some of those people I look back on, um, and I would just say, hey, this is where we're going. Kiss my ass if you don't like it. Right. Does that make sense? And yeah, I look yeah. back at that and I go, oh, well, you know, wonder how we could have done that better. Right. You know, wonder how we could do that better. So you still have to just like Jesus in John 6, many of his disciples withdrew and followed him no more. You've got to be true to the God. You can't compromise that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when we went through like in the 80s, I had our first um, female pastor, you know, who was part of the teaching team. And we were you probably, you know, I remember there was some real blowback on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I had to fight that through. Mm -hmm. But not only because it was true, but I wanted my daughter who was you know, a kid at the time to see that she could be anything. Well, that was kind of selfish, you know, right. Right. You know to put those, uh, you know, pictures out there. Well, man, I just heard my wife come in. Hey, Carolyn, come in here a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said, wait a minute. She has to go to the restroom. But, oh, that's all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Carolyn, these are kind of real guys, man. I can't believe it. <laughs> well, you know, Mike, one of the things that uh, my wife and I did, um, and it was been, it's been three years since we started this. Um, we uh, stumbled upon um, through the Alpha course. They actually have this thing called the marriage course. Yeah. Um, and we decided one year that, or at our, one of my last appointment, we like, hey, let's just see what happens. We'll offer this for couples and see what happens with it. And um, we're now in our fourth cycle of this. And it's been really fun. Um, this time we're doing it a little bit differently. And, and she's not a part of it, but. Um, what we've just, what we've decided in ours is to really kind of take that seriously. And that's, that's definitely done a lot for not only my, just, uh, my spiritual walk, but just the leading the church side as well. I'll let her sit down here in a minute and talk about like, these are, uh, 30. I don't some... need to sit down. Hello. Hello. Hey, this guy's 34 and this guy's 37, 38, 36, 36, but sit down and tell them about the importance of their marriages. 
<laughs> you know, not on the spot or anything, right? What would you like to know? <laughs> well, you know, we, 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 just, we just asked Mike, what, you know, if you could go back to our age and tell yourself something, you know, what's that bit of advice you would give? I would, okay, I'm, um, okay. <laughs> I would say, one, know yourself enough to have an authentic relationship with your spouse uh -huh. um, and then know your spouse well enough that you can be authentic together. Does this make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we went, we didn't know ourselves yeah. when we were your age and I'm still learning about myself. Right. Oh right. my gosh. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm probably in a, in a, the, one of the biggest growth curves of my life right now, learning curve about yeah. myself. Um, but I would say that. And then, you know, when you, this authenticity, you're going to cr create new priorities. Mm -hmm. And so it's prioritizing each other and then prioritizing the kids. And that's the order. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's the kid, you, it's, it's uh, prioritizing your own relationship with Christ then with your spouse, with your kids, and then with the church. I think too what done. No. <laughs> Nailed it. That's Nailed perfect. It. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I also think what's important is um, touch that is doesn't have to have sexual climax. That um, what you do is you, you lose kind of just that touch kind of thing, and you then we come home and we're brain dead because we have to read with the kids, you know, and whatever. And then you just want to watch TV or do something. And I think that time and what is important to us is we go to bed together and talk, you know, or uh, I like to just, and she says, I say too much, but I just like to cuddle. I think that's important. And sometimes when you're in your thirties, you don't understand cuddle. Yeah. And then that makes the other stuff. Yeah. It's the personal touch. That's really not sexual. Mm -hmm. It's just um, an expression of love um, with with no expectations, just simply that that connection. These guys are pretty young. You think they can handle this? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, I, I, I totally get that. My, my wife's a little bit older than I am. She, um, she's, she's nearing 40 this year. And... Uh, she and she her love language is not touch it, it is very introverted it, and and so it's those moments when we're walking around town or we're, we're doing something and it's just that reach over and and grab the hand and hold the hand it's like oh there that's it that's that's the stuff yeah. <laughs> so yeah we've i love that because it's not all the time you know and it's these really intentional moments that you take just to be there yeah and, and to be present with each other yeah it's the nonverbal language yeah. Well, yeah. even now, sometimes. Okay, he's telling me to move. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but even now, even now, sometimes, uh, like last week before I had to hit the road to work with some churches, um, she had scheduled with, um, it's kind of a house church that we participate in, uh, to go to dinner with this. We were going to meet at this uh, microbrewery and then go to dinner. Mm -hmm. And I said, hon, I got to leave so early tomorrow morning. Unless you and I maybe go to dinner, but I can't handle people. You know, and, and I think uh, sometimes we have those so many things with other people we do something with, even if it's a couple, mm -hmm. that it's important that Carolyn's my safe space, you know, and I think it's important to just 
boundaries are important because sometimes the demands that come and when I, the other thing I learned, and, and this is through like people my age who mentored me at your age, Lau Schaller, for example, don't, okay, you've planned something with your wife, but someone in your, your board person calls you and said, man, we got to meet, uh, you know, tonight I can get there at 630. Just say, oh man, I've got an appointment I can't make. Can I meet you tomorrow at 630 for breakfast? Mm-hmm. They don't say, well, I was going to go to dinner with my wife or go to a movie, or I was going to my, my kids, uh, a little soccer game or, you know, it, and what I've learned at your age is say, man, I got an appointment. I can't break. I don't, I don't say it's my family because they think you can break that. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and I found, um, so this I'm coaching my youngest daughter's basketball team and, uh, I've blocked out in my schedule. Like, yeah, it looks, I mean, it, it says an appointment. Um, and what's really funny is if you look on the church calendar, cause we use the church gym, it says stars basketball. They have no clue who's that team is. It's just, yeah. they know that the gym's blocked off for an hour. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been real adamant about making sure that, um, especially in my children's lives, investing into them in some way, shape or form, either coaching or doing my best to be at everything that I can be. Um, but recognizing that there are also some times where I do, like, I just can't, you know, I, I have to go and, and talk to them about that and let them know that, you know, hey, there are times where I have to be away. Um, my father had a job. He was a sports information director for a junior college um, here in Oklahoma or in Oklahoma. And um, during the sports season, during the college sports season, you know, we hardly ever saw him. Um, and so I wanted to kind of be the opposite and making sure that when I do things like when I travel, like this week, I'm in Denver and then a couple of weeks, I'm going to uh, be on the uh, press side of things for general conference um, with our podcast and uh, kind of talking to my girls about, hey, you know, there are some times where I have to go away either to learn something like we are here at ILIF or, um, uh, you know, that there is a special general conference. And I kind of talked to them about that. And yeah. they, they've been real supportive on uh, just, you know, as long as I'm keeping that line of communication between your children and, and your spouse is, is, is really important. Well, and I did the same thing. I coached uh, all the way um, select ball through seventh grade. And then I knew my son was pretty good. He ended up first team all state baseball, you know, I was so, and he played uh, four years at Penn, you know, baseball. Uh-huh. And, uh, but the same, we were so involved with our kids. I mean, I would take them on trips with me. I remember my daughter was in fifth grade and I was speaking out in uh, San Diego and I took two days vacation before we did Monterey Bay, uh, downtown San Francisco, and 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 uh, so forth. And um, I, I was speaking in Houston, and my son—I don't know how old he was—but uh, a kid. I took him, uh, and we did the space museum. And an astronaut who was at the conference sent him a bunch of patches. Um, I took them all. I uh, was did a thing in 1990 in Europe. And I, the whole family went, you know, and I raised money, you know, from people uh, to help make that happen because I didn't make much as a pastor. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, th- that is so key. And my daughter's 41. My son's 37. Uh, each of them have three kids. My son has a fourth one on the way. And, and they're uh, Jesus followers, you know, and when they see that in you and plus not, not phony. Mm-hmm. So when, you know, I went to a restaurant in the very town where I was pastoring. I got a wine at dinner or whatever. And they saw, said we didn't, we didn't play church. Mm-hmm. And also that um, uh, 
church is not the current kind of uh, political kind of situation where we do not challenge nationalism and you know law building and uh, so forth. And even as as uh, my daughter, who's a dietitian, went over and worked with Palestinians in a hospital for two weeks. My son did uh, part of a team that did 75 surgeries in Honduras and uh, spent six weeks in our church's medical mission in Jamaica, you know, on off times. Mm -hmm. And uh, what you all are doing as parents right now is absolutely essential. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's that, that encouragement, it uh, goes a long ways, man. Because, you know, that's, you know, the circles we run in, that's not always the encouragement we get. Uh, and, and it's certainly not the expectations that's put on us in many places. Well, uh, you know, I, um, I don't know if it, I put it on Facebook or, or not, but a uh, weekend before the last, I preached at Gingersburg and uh, my son and his family came up. And so his kids are seven, five, two, and then has one on the way. Mm-hmm. And so they said, Papa, can we come on this up on the stage with you? So, Hey, um, yeah, you're going to remember this. So I said, uh, in my head, I said, okay, I'm going to do it at the benediction. And they came up. And um, so my five-year-old, uh, they're all standing in front of me, you know, uh, and, and my five-year-old, I, I just thought on the spot, I said, what's the most, imp- uh, what's the best sport? And I put it by his mouth and he said, baseball. That's what it's, and I said to the people, hey, your priorities, what you talk about, what you truly believe, what you act will become their priorities. Right, right. You know, um, my, what was so great is the one at seven was two there one time. And she just, I'm preaching. And I always have like a bistro table with like a chair, a bistro chair sitting next to it and my Bible or computer on, on top. And so she just walked up on the stage. I looked down and here's my two-year-old. So I just picked her up and sat her in that chair and she sat there for the rest of the message. So then uh, before I turned leadership over uh, a, a year and a half ago, she said, Papa, she had been five, I guess. Papa, when can I preach with you again? I thought, oh, that is preach you because, and you remember that is too. So on uh, Father's Day, I used her in, in my sermon and I put her in the, in the chair. Uh, and so I would ask questions, you know, and, um, Oh, I, you know, what's the most, what, why, what, what are, why are parents so important? And I remember she said, well, um, they, they protect you. Um, they read the Bible to you. Yeah. Just think. And then I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she was five, but she goes, I want to be a pediatrician. And she said, pediatrician or dance a surgeon. But what's amazing is he's got for his kids, um, scrubs in their size. Mm-hmm. with and he's got dr slaughter on their scrubs hmm. and and uh not this year but a year ago the day after thanksgiving he had three surgeries in the morning she'd have been six he put her in her scrubs set her on a, a chair in there and told her don't touch anything blue she had to scrub in you know right. mm-hmm. i don't know if i could watch three surgeries <laughs> right <Wow>. yeah <laughs> so those priorities i mean she she's and so that's what made it a good, good message. And anybody thought of a little five-year-old girl, you know, sitting up there was, you know. Right. But no. all of that comes. And, or, and, and that happened again last week. Uh, Papa, at the end of worship, can we get up there and play drums? Well, people may still be walking out or anything. But last week I had my two-year-old up there banging on, you know. Yeah. 
So when they do that, you know, what good is it if we win the world and lose our families? Right. Right. Yeah. That's been the, um, that's one of the things I miss in my current appointment um, is that we really haven't been able to create a space for my children to really kind of have their own space in the church. Like we've done it before where they've been able to like, you know, either acolyte or that sort of thing. And we've, um, but now lately, the last few weeks, the fun thing has been they enjoy turning off the TVs and the, and the extra lights and all that stuff because they know that they're helping the church. And they've said that. Um, my youngest, uh, this last Sunday, sitting in the uh, children's moment, uh, my poor associate pastor, I don't remember what question my associate pastor had asked in the children's moment, but, but my youngest looked at her and just said, why don't we have a food pantry in this church? Uh, because her reference point has been in the uh, in the last two churches we've been in, we've had food pantries, and that was my primary responsibility was running the food pantry. So that's what she knows, and and she she's struggled with this church not having a food pantry uh, on campus. And uh, the associate pastor said, "Well, just talk to your daddy." <laughs> and so, and you know, I I think that um, we started one. I believe in long-term appointments, mm-hmm. you know, unique. I, nothing would have happened at Gansburg if I was just there seven years. Remember I was there 38 years right. and two months as lead pastor and still right. connected. Um, we started in this two, literally two room country church, a food pantry in a closet. Uh, we now operate three choice food pantries, you know, with grocery carts and you mm-hmm. know, so forth in, in three different areas that served, um, over 60,000 people last year, uh, last mm. year. Um, and so again, what you start in a small closet can expand to something incredible, but you have to commit your life to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 27 when I went to Gainesburg. I was 67, 66 when I turned leadership over, uh, you know, at Gainesburg. Um, you got you got to you know commit your life to it, and the calling is not ever done. I mean, the, the a true calling, um, it changes. You know, like I say, the first forty years of Moses' life, he was concentrating on uh, building a career, mm-hmm. which it, you know, and the next middle was midlife crisis, and if you don't deal with your, um, you know, stuff. Right. And you suppress, whether it's pornography or anything else, it, it implodes, which it did on him. And for him, it was anger management. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the last third is where you really come into the fruits. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. even in your old age, you will still produce fruit, the word, yeah. you know, says. Yeah. Well, I know, um, I know. Mike, you, you've got a lot on your plate uh, still, even uh, uh, now. Um, I just want to thank you for all that you've done for the kingdom. Um, I know for me, um, when I was fresh out of seminary and in my first appointment, one of the first books I picked up was your uh, Change the World book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's pretty much tattered on my shelf now. Uh, Ten years and um, four appointments later, I still use reference it in some ways, uh, especially in regards to finances for the church and all that stuff. Um, and um, anytime something new comes out from you, I'm always uh, pushing it on at least one or two Sunday school classes because I know I always say, hey, this is going to be solid because Mike does great work uh, because his heart's in the right place. And uh, I can't thank you enough for, for your kingdom work and what you're still continuing to do uh, now. 
and uh, I know we appreciate you. And um, we just literally, when um, we've kind of had this list of people that we've always wanted to have on the show, and uh, we've sent out emails or Facebook messages, and when they say yes, we're just like, oh wow, like, um, and uh, we've uh, we were excited when you uh, said yes, and uh, um, I know, like like I said, for me, I've um, just appreciated all that you've done, and that you you have definitely made a uh, difference. Uh, on uh, my ministry career and, and some of the influences that you've done. And, um, and I'm just thankful for you and, and all that you've done. Well, I'm honored that, that you guys asked me. I just wanted, I, I wanted to do it. It was just finding the, you know, the right, slide right. book was, you, you know, manuscript is, is uh, huge to get out there. And so I, I, am I going to see you then at the special general conference? Yes, I will actually uh, be in the press room. Uh, I, I'll be, uh, I don't know what I'm doing or anything yet, but I, I, I've been credentialed to be in the press room to, uh, my hope would be, is that with this, I'm, I want to sit down with people, um, try to sit down with people as much as possible and kind of still do this and have a small letter interview and talk about what their experience was and share yeah. with people. Um, because I know, um, I've been a part of a delegation. Uh, Zach and I were actually, how we met actually was part of being part of global young people's convocation. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. About eight years ago. And, um, seeing that experience um, really kind of shaped me. And, um, and one of the things that I've seen, one of the things we saw in that event is that we, we saw, even though there was some struggles and um, some difficult conversations happening, we did see a lot of life uh, out of that event. And we want to, like, I want to be able to make sure that that gets shown too, because I know that there's going to be other people who won't necessarily show that light. And I, and I want to see what, and I kind of want to show that, Hey, no matter where we, what happens that we can still uh, press on and continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, and that's it. You know, the, the local church is key. I keep telling everybody, I said, man, if I was McDonald's, I'm, I'm not thinking about the bureaucratic corporate. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the local franchise because that's the only place burgers move out of. That's right. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that metaphorically because that's not the healthiest thing to, eat. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's it. That's, that's where, and I, you know, I just see um, incredible ministries as I travel that whatever we do there is not going to affect it. Right. Um, which I think is, is uh, absolutely so, so important. The other thing for you are, are both, now, uh, Zach, do you pastor a local church? Yeah, so I've got three churches up in rural Montana. Okay, so um, that's not Bruce O's area, is it? Is he based up there? No, that's uh, Bishop Karen Oliveto. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, well, even talk to Karen. Karen and I know each other. Yeah. Look at this base camp we have. We only take 20 people, mm -hmm. and we really get into you we do it at Gingersburg and my partner in ministry Karen uh, Perry Smith uh, we do it in Gingersburg and two, two of our people that came out in the last two years are doing one started a bakery down in North Carolina that only a 501c only employs just released prisoners hmm. you know to teach them a, a career and it's doing great and another uh, started a farm in a, a very rural mountainous area and whatever pork he sells to restaurants allows him to have equal amount to give to food pantries. Oh, wow. And so all the restaurants around this region, you know, uh, purchase from him. So we, 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 we go to our 501c3s, we go to our inner city, uh, you know, campuses and so forth. So look at that, um, MikeSlaughter.com, look at the base camp stuff. Okay. Uh, Cause I think both of you would, you know, uh, benefit. Yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, we noticed that you had some connections with some people that have been on before. Uh, Matt Miaski and Jacob Armstrong have been oh, to you yeah, guys. I work with those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, we've enjoyed getting to know them uh, just through this. And it was literally, um, we knew that these were young uh, guys that are having uh, books come out. And so we were just like, hey, we have this podcast. Would you like to come and talk about your book? And they were. And we've, uh, we've, we've had some really good conversations. Um, Jacob and I have really, um, in the last a few months have really talked a lot about some of the stuff that um, he's doing and, and I'm, I'm trying to take some of his small group stuff and trying to getting it incorporated in the church that I serve. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to tell you that see, now you're seeing the network connection. Another one you need to connect to is pastor Rachel Billups, who is the campus pastor of our largest uh, church uh, uh, campus. Mm -hmm. um, so th this is the network that I'm working in right now. And I want to get uh, both those guys, um, uh, Lisa down in North Carolina, um, Ibua, Ibua or something, mm -hmm. um, uh, um, Rachel, and uh, we're going to do a video thing, I think, around this new book I'm doing. Cool. Very cool. In the living room kind of environment and talk about stuff, the politic of the kingdom, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the authority of scripture. One thing you might look up, did, David Watson and I did a lecture at United Seminary a week ago, Sunday night on the authority. Have you seen that? <clears throat> I haven't seen it yet. The, the authority of scripture, him from a traditionalist perspective and me from a, a centrist yeah. uh, perspective. Very cool. No, we'll check that out. We'll put uh, put links of all of that on our, on our podcast with this episode uh, so that, you know, as people yeah. hear this, they'll be able to go check out that too, find it easy. Man, well, it's so excites like me just now connecting to the, to you yeah. guys because yeah. this is the generation uh, where this seismic shift mm -hmm. is happening in ministry. That right. together, you know, um, we can do a new thing, even if we're still in a system. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't always have to obey the system. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It, and that was actually something I picked up from uh, you early on. And I've kind of modeled that in some ways that I um, actually I was placed in my current appointment because of what I've done in other churches uh, of being able to kind of be a little bit of a disruptor and uh, but bringing people back and uh, um, in a sense of healing and a sense of um, growth. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, it, it really did start with that change the world book for me. Uh, and seeing things differently and trying to um, engage the world uh, missionally and just um, in a spiritual aspect that, um, you know, I'm still, still doing that and still loving it. And Good. Yeah. Uh, like I said, when, when you said yes, I was, I was so excited um, that you were able to meet with us. And that, um, what's really cool is that when we normally do this, uh, Zach's usually in Montana and I'm in Oklahoma. And so it's kind of uh, almost like this, but we knew that this week, uh, when you responded back to my email of saying, hey, you know, we'd, we'd really like to connect, that we knew we'd be together this week. Uh, we're, well, that's we're, so neat. Did I see both of you together? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we thank you for your time. Uh, we want to encourage those that are listening to uh, go to our website, beardedtheologians.com, and uh, check out our uh, great blog post. Um, hopefully by this time, the uh, Beer and Hymns reflection will be on there. Uh, we had a really great time uh, doing Beer and Hymns uh, the other night in, uh, here in Denver. Uh, and so we'll have a reflection on that and then we'll have hopefully have some new content up with that and uh, and then go click buy and uh, buy some of our stuff uh, bearded theologians gear uh, it, it really does whatever whatever little money we get uh, does uh, go back into the podcast to help us be able to do things and so for the mike we give uh, thanks for you uh, to come on with us um, and so for the bearded theologians i'm matt franks i'm zach Bechtold. thanks for checking us out
We hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the Bearded Theologians Beardcast, and we'd encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our Facebook page. We also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection. Have a good day.